Hello, and welcome to another episode of The A-List, the podcast that asks the world's top advertising professionals how they got started in the business. I'm Tom Chrisman, Chief Creative Officer at DeMassimo Goldstein, an inspiring action agency in New York City. Today, I'll be talking to my friend Paul Cayozo, one of the founders of Office of Baby, a little new agency in New York City. It might not be little anymore by the time you listen to this podcast, but it's little now. He is going to talk to us about starting Office of Baby. He's going to talk to us about his circuitous route from graphic designer in Long Island to a startup guy in San Francisco who didn't know anything about advertising to being in advertising but not being positive enough. He talks about a lot of interesting things for newbies in the biz, but also for people kind of trying to change their careers from one place to another, I think you'll get a lot out of it. But first, I got to talk about our sponsor. The A-List is brought to you by Ad House Advertising School. Advertising age called Ad House New York's newest, smallest, and arguably hippest ad school. Their philosophy, an ad class is only as relevant as the professional who teaches it. Ad House classes are taught by the best in the biz in the agencies where they work. You get 10 weeks of classes for just 600 bucks. To apply, go to adhousenyc.com. And for the latest news, follow AdHouseNYC on Facebook. The A-List is recorded at Gramercy Post in New York City. Our engineer is Matt Stillo. And now my interview with Paul Cayozo. Product or a result. Or, or results. Yeah. yeah. Are we on? We're on, huh? We're talking with Paul Cayozo here at uh, WBAM. <laughs> In the morning. Uh, I don't know why I went into DJ voice there. It just felt like... Uh, it was uh, comforting. Yeah. Uh, w- tell us about... Uh, you're, you're at Office of Baby. What is that? Uh, and why did you call it Office of Baby? <laughs> um, Office of Baby is a, an independent creative agency that was started by uh, myself and my long, long time creative partner. Um, we called it Office of Baby... Because we imagined that nobody would come to a place called Office of Baby for boring work. Okay. Um, and we also, there was also, you know, some some strategic thinking behind it. But it was, we believed in sort of approaching problems with uh, curiosity, mm-hmm. kind of like a newborn. Okay. So it did it did two things for us. It was a filter. Yeah. That that's proved mostly true. I think. Um, you know, we haven't uh, admittedly had the best outbound new business program, uh-huh. but Office of Baby and the work we've done have brought in the kind of clients that we we enjoy working on. Yeah. Um, so we, we started to do two things, basically. I don't I don't know if the world remembers Help Remedies, which was um, yep. a pharmaceutical brand started by um, Richard Fine and Nathan Frank. And we we back then 10 years ago whatever that was we talked about help was supposed to be a, a, a starter project and then we would incubate more and more mm-hmm. and more and more and kind of push them off into the world mm-hmm. um it didn't quite work that way um but we've always talked about an agency that did that so and now in t- in 2018 it's cheaper it's almost cheaper to put out an entire company sometimes than it is to put out a campaign so you've got all these people in an ad agency these brilliant people these people that are trained to solve problems and move quickly and stay positive and yeah. you know and and just be the most wonderful creative problem solvers and here and you a lot of times you're throwing them at a banner yeah and it, it, when you could be putting them on something much grander and, yeah. and so that's we always thought you can incubate 
minimum viable companies that were designed to either sell to brands to solve their problems uh-huh. or designed to be um, invested in and, and kind of, you know, set sail yeah. with the agency keeping a percentage of the company. Right. So that's what we set out to do. And then uh, that would also have a, a an agent a branding component, an agency yeah. component. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, we, we realize we thrive on doing that like good advertising as much as we thrive on solving all sorts of different problems. So yeah, yeah. The whole thing was built around taking advantage of creative people's sort of uh, flight not flightiness but <laughs> desire to move from problem to problem. So right. I think when you try to take ad people yeah. and say like Okay, like, look, this company we just, this brand we just incubated, it's going really well. We're all going to do Now we're this. all going to do that all the time. I think people would be so sad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would be sad. And I, I lo- for a long time, I fought that part of me. Yeah. Is that why, uh, so you, uh, I'm just going to go back in time in big chunks and then we can go from <laughs> okay. the start. Uh, is that why you went freelance? Is that sort of what made you do that? I went freelance initially. You did it for almost three years, right? Yeah, and I loved it so much. Me too. I loved it. I miss it. Like yeah. to this day, I think about it a lot. Um, I loved everything about it. I loved traveling to different agencies. Yeah. I loved seeing different how different agencies worked. I feel like I yeah. learned so much in that time. Yes. Like being exposed to different briefing styles and different account management styles and yeah. different creative styles. It, like. I generally came away from that with, like, the feeling that ad people are mostly the most wonderful and lovely. Like, you just keep walking into these agencies filled with great people. Yeah. And you're like, why is everyone shitting on this? Like, it's such a great job. Right, right. And then you're, you know, you're you're basically, like... Horribly and dis- disgustingly, getting paid like an annual teacher's salary every every fifteen days. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you're like, this is ridiculous. Yeah, like, this someone is, should pay me less. Yeah, this is a scandal that's <laughs> waiting is, to break. <laughs> this is seriously. Like, that's how I felt every day. It was yeah. like, when is this gonna be? When is this gonna stop? <laughs> <laughs> Surely, I'm not giving this much value. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I've never given anyone this much value. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so I think I would have kept doing it forever. Um, but I was getting panicky that I was borrowing from my career. Like yeah. honestly, I'm I'm you know I, I pretty self hating. So I kept thinking this is too good to be true. It's yeah. going to come to you. An really end. did think those things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we like, weren't kidding. We, this we is both gonna, really thought those this things. is going to stop. We still do. <laughs> so I I felt like I was borrowing against my career a bit. Yeah. Also, I felt like I had to make a choice. Where would I do this forever? And I was kind of okay with that. Or would I take the next step and start learning how to grow other people's careers, kind of dive deeper into learning about cl- managing big projects and clients mm-hmm. and that world? And I ultimately decided I didn't. Ha- I wanted more experience in that in right. that arena. Yeah. But I never stopped missing like no. being in L.A. on a video game brief and then bouncing yeah. to back to New York. And, yeah. And then I, I don't know if your experience like. You know, we usually got brought in either on big problems, which technically were considered messes, and right. I loved those. Yeah, because that was exciting. Yeah, and usually it's not as big a mess as everybody's saying. It's just there's one person who's just not giving it. Or yeah, or they're not, tired. Or yeah, like, or they just haven't looked at it in that one way. That's just like guys. Doing it's like it the kid <laughs> telling the the firefighters to let the air out of the tires for the truck to get under the bridge. You know, it's like guys, just let the air out of the tires. I don't know. Yeah, and you're. I don't think that ever actually happened to me, but it'd be great if it did. And you know, I mean, your job at that moment is to come in and be 
like boundlessly delusionally optimistic yeah. to get it, to kind of pick up everybody else yeah because you have no reason not to be that way right and to stay that way through the whole process and at no point even when you technically have the right to be down like yeah. at no point can you ever get down cuz like they are literally paying you a premium to not do that and i think that's good advice for this is a lot of young people listen to this or people just starting in creative or switching careers. But that's a good advice for everybody. Like, you're getting paid pretty well no matter what you do here in America in 2018 yeah. to, you know, to say, like, you know what? Even if you're not being paid as much as you think, like, just be really positive and people will give you more money. Like, that's <laughs> pretty much – isn't that pretty much a rule? I think – I mean, we worked together years and years and years. Yeah, when and was that? Was, Where was that? I was trying to listen. It was at Taxi to... New York. Oh, yes. And that, that was a really different, like, there were a lot of circumstances. I was a year in, I think, to my ad career. Uh-huh. And in that job, I felt like it was a small, 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 small place. Tiny. It had a lot of turmoil, like most small places do. And I was wholly unfit for, <laughs> like, the level that we were. I was operating at because yeah. of the smallness. Yeah. Same. And I didn't, and I was, so I responded to that uncomfortability with a lot of negativity and a lot of anger. And like, yeah. I realized years later, like I, I could do the ideas. Yeah. Like most good creatives can do, but like, that's such a small part of a successful job. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I totally <laughs> have blacked that out of my mind. You I know also that? have. Like the way you were then. <laughs> I've blocked it out. But I was horrible. And I, and I, Basically, got a second chance and went to Crispin, and you just can't. I, I you quickly learn like that entire machine worked because everybody believed in it and everybody was so positive. Yeah, and the only way you get stuff like that done, crazy stuff, is because you believe in your heart it can happen. Yeah, and when it doesn't happen, you don't get sad. Right, like you just believe it can happen again, and you go on to the next. You don't start blaming. Oh, it's because this place can't do that, or it's because my boss isn't no. this way enough, and it's not that. And I think that uh, I was re-listening to the very first one of these that I did, which was with Rob Riley. I don't know if you were there at the time when he was. Well, there? I worked with Rob my whole time there. I mean, oh, okay. I, I learned a lot of this from Rob. Like, yeah, Rob is a, obviously a gruff, funny guy, but like in his heart, <laughs> there's no one more positive. I know. There's no one that believes in advertising more. I know. And there's no one more supportive of his people and, like, more open to imparting his wisdom down the line. Right. Like, and to the fact that he's basically doing the job that, I mean, we think we don't get enough time doing the work. Like, he never, ever gets to see, <laughs> gets to do the work no, ever. No, he's, he has, you know, he creates an environment for yeah. the work to happen. Right. And then he puts out fires around the world is what he was saying. But my, my point was that he, coming into Crispin, thought like, oh, I can do that. And he kind of had that, the opposite of a negative. It was like, he was so about himself that he wasn't sort of like giving off the positive vibes to everybody else in the agency. And and uh, and Bogusky basically said like, you're great, I love your work, but if you can't get along with people here, you're out. Like, you're out. So it was like, even to that point where it's like, you, you can be... I think a lot of people think I can be positive about the work, my work, but then when it doesn't go through, I can be negative about like other people or put out negative vibes. But you can't, right? I mean, it's like, and it, it depends on how I guess how how spiritual <laughs> you look at it. Yeah, but that energy in an agency it stays. It, it stays after you have that outburst. It doesn't yeah. go away, and it, it's a poison. Yeah, and it spreads to other people, and then other 
it's kind of like graffiti, right? Like if you leave it up on the train, other people take it as an invitation to to put graffiti next to it. If you're complaining, it sets the tone that the culture of that agency allows that. Yeah. And it it's it's not that it has to be like this cultish, you know, if anything, that's what Crispin got accused of was this cult. But like it was culty in the right way. It's like <laughs> you have to fake it sometimes. Yeah. Like you have to fake positivity. And yeah. that sometimes reads as disingenuous. Right. And that's the thing I've struggled with at our small agency is I don't ever want that because I definitely we would get back from a meeting that you were in that went kind of <laughs> shitty. Yeah. And you get the email it was like, boom. <laughs> <laughs> We just we just flayed everyone alive in that meeting, and you're like, "What? I was in there." I was like, "It's a rebrief. It went really bad." Like they were worshiping us. So I try, you know, you try not to do that, but you you want to genuinely come back and say something positive. Yeah. Starting with obviously everyone probably worked their asses off to get there. Yeah. Like if there were problems, I I always look at it as like that's our fault as management as senior people so mm-hmm. that's like not the fault of everyone who put in all their time and yeah. right down the line so again like st- you gotta stay positive in that <laughs> moment i remember I, we walked out of um a meeting when i was at a place called it was tag and then two agency 215 and yeah. then 215 mccann and yeah. i was with was john, john patrullis john patrullis who, yeah. who's now who know, i worked with at shia and then he went off to do that. He became Chuck McBride's guy and then went off to do that. Yeah, now he's like worldwide universal super yeah, guy at Gray. He really is. <laughs> and he's still John Petrullis. He's still the best man in advertising. Yeah. Um, so we, we walked out of this terrible meeting at Microsoft. It was it was very bad. Um, <laughs> it was probably still one of the worst meetings. Maybe was. the only bad meeting that's ever happened at Microsoft. <laughs> and everyone was really sad. And John had every right to be angry. At, at the client or at you? At us. Yeah. Like, it was right. a small agency. This was an important client. We'd all been working very hard. I, I'm like, and he walked out and he was like, well, it's really easy to go in there and tell them what they want to hear, right? But it's really tough to tell them what they need to hear. And I'm really proud of everybody. Wow. And I was like, oh, wow. Like, he never gets down. I was like, that guy never gets down. No, it's not. He's like a weeble. <laughs> it's like... Look him up on the internet. <laughs> and that was post-Crispin. So I learned in that moment there was like, there was a perfect way to encourage everybody, acknowledge something that was bad, and and move forward. Yeah. You really are like the captain of your little platoon, right? When Like in uh, Saving Private Ryan, when he's just like, Tom Hanks is just giving everybody like the positivity, the positive. He goes behind the rock and he... And he cries. Yeah, and you have to do that. I and think. it's like, it's like, yeah, you got to go behind the rock and cry every now and then, but you can't like take it out on your guys. Or no, that's a good point. I mean, you, you need to have blame. a crying rock. Yeah, <laughs> have a crying rock in your office. Yeah, you get it, one. And you don't want to take it home either, because no, then your your significant other is just blankly staring at you. Yeah, like, why is he always crying? <laughs> You're like, like, wait, are you doing an out of home campaign? Like, why? <laughs> On the subway? Why are you crying? <laughs> Seems like a disproportionate reaction. <laughs> so let's go back to like when you started. Where did you grow up? I grew up here uh, in New, New York, York City. I grew up uh, from Brooklyn, from Staten Island to Brooklyn to Long Island. Wow. I think that's like a pretty standard migration. <laughs> but you migrated as a kid. Yeah, young kid. And so I spent the majority that of— That kind of sucks. Oh, I mean, I spent the majority of time on Long Island. Yeah. Um, which is, uh, you know— it's a place. It's nice. 
And uh, how'd you get, how'd you know about advertising and, and all that? Did you just go to college, like a regular college? And what well, were you into as a kid? Tom, uh, this is a great story, which I think works in this medium. Yes, good. <laughs> uh, after college, I went and um, moved to San Francisco to do the tech boom thing. <laughs> Wait a minute. What college did you go to? I went to SUNY Geneseo. Okay. Uh, and then I moved out there. And you were like, I'm just going to get on the tail of this thing. Yeah, it was like 1999, I think. And people yeah. were just like... We were partying. Making like it was trillions of dollars. And, yeah. uh, and I had friends that were making a lot of money. And yeah. I had absolutely no skills. I worked as a web designer on Long Island for like three months at this small place. Right. And like BitLearn Basics. Yeah. Got a like job and a startup. What was um, the startup? It was called Work Exchange, and it was way ahead of its time. It yeah. connected freelancers with uh, employers. Oh, so I. Uh, it was like Elance. It, well, I made uh, my first award-winning ad was for uh, FreeAgent.com. It was a free agent competitor, and yeah, and that free was, agent was, and, and they went out of business before we could actually <laughs> launch the campaign, but oh, we launched it anyway, and then we. Won awards and stuff. I remember those ads because those were they some were just of, going out of business. I was in that, obviously, in that f- field, right. and I remember seeing those ads, and it was one of the first things I saw that were really creative. Ah, oh. and I was like, "What the fuck?" Like, <laughs> I'm like designing like buttons, literally yeah. buttons that yeah. say "Go." Uh, <laughs> well, the insight was like. Get out of the cubicle. You're in a cubicle farm. You are, like we said, like our our target was Dilbert people. Like they were, <laughs> it's like, get out of there. You can do it. And nothing about like how or why or any, but just just giving the impetus to do it. Yeah, I didn't know that you could even do that kind of thinking at that time. Like that kind of conceptually driven fun. What were you doing at this place? D- web designing, like you know, wet pages of internet sites. And living in San Francisco. Living in San Francisco, driving to Santa Clara. It was far. Wow. And then that kind of imploded. I've stayed in touch with um, one of the founders. He's awesome. He's in San Diego. He has kind of like a little agency thing. And then um, I took a job with uh, on like a, the founding team of a place called bluelight.com, which was um, some big heavy hitters from the internet world, like guys who had sold other companies. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was started with like twelve of us in a, the back of a jewelry store, and it just got massive funding. Like it was Kmart's website. Oh, it was so, Kmart. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So that so, was when they were flipping companies. I was at Shiat when they had Kmart, and they were doing the BlueLight.com, and I and yeah. I remember that Phil, happening. Philip Toledano was the art director on it. Oh, really? Yeah. He was my first Facebook friend. P.S. I just found that out today because it's Facebook Friendship Day. He, I remember, I had nothing to. I was very young there. I had nothing to do with the selection of the agency or hiring the agency or even knowing who the agency was. Right. But I, I was told by, but my boss there and like that this was a great ad agency. I mm-hmm. barely knew what an ad agency was. So you, you learned about startups and starting a business and funding and all that stuff really early on before you even yeah and I and I thought I was going to stay in that world and then like I just didn't have enough skills to be in that world. I was a web designer and I hated it. Yeah. If I was smarter, I probably could have like meandered my way out of that and up because I was like twenty three or something. But I didn't. Like so. Uh, that all imploded. Yeah. Um, blue light went down. It was that's a story for another time, but also yeah. f- kind of funny yeah. now with all this distance. Yeah. But my friend Cameron was dating someone named Mandy, um, and I I'd hang out with them sometimes. And we all lost our jobs, and so and Mandy would hang out, and she didn't. She had a job. She worked at a place called Citron, 
Um, and it was like, and she asked if I wanted to help her with this ad. And I did, still did not really know what an ad was. Yeah. It was for a local burger place. I think she was doing it on the side. Uh-huh. Like Burgermeister. It was this big chain in San Francisco. That was okay. cool. And she showed me these like loose leaf paper ideas. They were funny. They were like before and after, like where you were, you know, you were super skinny um, before it was a reverse, like yeah, the yeah. burger place. Yeah, 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 happily, yeah. happily fat. Yeah. And she was like, yeah, do you want to make these? And I was like, what is this? How do I do this? <laughs> I was like, what is your job? Yeah. And she was like, oh, I'm a copywriter. And I was like, I, I want to do that. Yeah. She was like, okay, you have to go to ad school. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and then I, I went two weeks later to Creative Circus in Atlanta. I just uh-huh. I applied, packed up my, my life in San Francisco and left. Wow. And then I learned after, like, they had an ad school in San Francisco. <laughs> there wasn't just one. Yeah. So you just found out about this one place. She told like, me right, I'm one, moving there. She told me of one place, and I was like, I'm in. You I was did like, no if I, research. If I delay, I, <laughs> if, I, if I take even a moment to think this through, I'll yeah. stop. Yeah. Uh, and so, obviously, Mandy Hoveda is now married to Greg Hahn. Yeah. Um, and so I owe, and I've told her this millions of times, I owe my entire life to her Wow. in that moment. Wow. Like she basically put me on. I had no idea I would love doing this so much. And yeah. I showed up at that school with like basically like the idea that I could leave with a job in yeah. a year or two was the motivation. So funny. Mandy was working with me <laughs> when I was doing free agent at, at Kirchenmount. It, it's like we've uh, we're connected somehow yeah, we, in we, the in the world. <laughs> Uh, and so, so what did you do after after school? So, what did you learn at school, and how did, did you did Were you surprised that you were so good at it? Were you? I was. I didn't. I never. Or were I, you not good at it? To at this first? day, I've never even thought about being good at it. I just think about loving it. I was surprised how much I loved it right away. Yeah. And I did take to it. Like, I I didn't know you could apply ideas to art, and that sounds. Mm. A little depressing because I had taken tons and tons and tons of art classes and film classes and and I I never like I was a good drawer like I could right. draw people but I it like I never put the two together that like you can have a funny idea or a concept yeah. and then deliver it in such a simple medium. It was just like a huge explosion in my head. It was like these two things I like being funny and thinking and and art stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I, I was it was great. Yeah. It was total luck. <laughs> yeah. I could have gotten there and been like, I in my head I was like, it's probably gonna be better than designing web buttons. Yeah, I just thought I was notching up like an, a level. Right. <laughs> and when, but everybody else was talking about the digital revolution, and and I think a lot of people would have been like, well, I know digital, so I could start my own digital agency. I had and... no idea how behind ad agencies were. Yeah. Okay. Like. It was like a total restart. I got to school and everyone's making print ads. Yeah. And I was like, wait, what are these? <laughs> and like, they're like, this is how you, you know, you get good and just and show how you can think through ideas. And and now it makes sense. I still believe that if you can yeah, make print a print ad. Yeah, print is the simplest way to. And if you could do that, you could do anything. You could make a banner. You can make a right. Facebook page. You can make an Instagram, con- like anything. Right, right. And I think. You know, you always see those debates raging on LinkedIn. Like, if I see one more student book filled with print ads, it's like I'm busy. Like, I when I see yeah. print ads, I'm excited. Yeah, it's like I can tell someone that they can write or art direct if they right. can think. If oh, they, oh yeah, it, like but when they have case studies, you're like, uh, oh. or an app describing yeah, an app. To every me. app sounds like a good it's idea. Like I've never ever actually made an app, so like every single you know. app sounds like it's going to be good. Yeah, 
There's why wouldn't you there's want There's no app that. that I've ever heard where I was like, that's it bad. It tells you if it's a hot dog or not. <laughs> yeah. Like, why wouldn't you want that? <laughs> yeah, it's like, press for hot dogs. Yeah. Like, cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's like coming up with like, I'm going to do a magic trick where this happens. You're just like, that would be awesome. Do yeah. that. But that app, it's like, I'll download that thing and press it once. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> Still don't know if you can make an app. Yeah, it's like find the nearest streetlight. It's like car, right? Yes, great idea. I mean, why not? <laughs> There's probably one close by. I don't know about. <laughs> what color is it? <laughs> what color is the streetlight? <laughs> um, so you, so how do you, how did you get to Crispin? That was your first job, right? That was your. I was, were you an my intern? first job. Job was Cliff Freeman. Oh, well, I I had a like a circuitous start. I got out of ad school. I left after a year. I went to Fallon, New York, uh, on a freelance project to work with Ari Merkin, who had just gotten there. Mm -hmm. I mean, Ari is a genius. That place was crazy. Mm -hmm. There were so many good people there. Mm -hmm. it was like there was Scott Cooney and Jerome Marucci were a team there, and yep. Rob Baird had just showed up, and the Swedes were just exiting, and Ari was there, and Genac, right? Justin um, Genac. Justin wasn't there yet. Okay. And I was just, I was literally minutes out of school. Yeah. And Ari came fresh out of, like, the Crispin mentality. Yeah. And if you, you can't, I, it's really hard to start at that. Um, and so he was wonderful, but crazy. I looked, I thought yeah. he was crazy. Yeah. Um, and in hindsight, I realize now, like, he wasn't. He was, he was doing what he knows. So I didn't stay there long. It wasn't like I turned a job down. It was just this freelance project ended and yeah. and. We left. Nobody said, "Hey, yeah, we weren't like, hey, so this. can we stay?" It <laughs> yeah, was like, yeah, yeah. I kind of after that was like, oh, maybe I'd made a mistake in advertising. Really? I, wor I worked. Kinda... I worked like every night, did all nighters, like yeah. four nights in a row. Right. I was sleeping on a conference room table, and this guy walked in, and he was like, looked at this person sitting next to him, and he was like, "Who's this schlub?" <laughs> and I was like, "Hey, I'm a freelance blah blah," and I like went back to sleep on the conference room table, and it was Lubars. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Someone was like, he's really important. And I was like, all right. I've been here like six days in a row. Yeah, yeah, I don't care. He looked like a hippo to me in my head. He had a hippo head. Yeah, it was like this. He was in a, in a beautiful suit. Like yeah. It was the morning. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, so that kind of turned you off and you almost It quit. almost did. And I. What were you thinking of doing instead? Like go back to the free, uh, the startup world? Or? I had luckily at Circus, I, you know, I was super into ad. I got really into it. So I would collect all the awards manuals and I would cut out the ads I liked and I would hang them up in my apartment because I lived by myself. And right. you can put them on your living room wall. Yeah. And I was going through them, and I like I was realizing this name kept coming up over and over and over. Paul Steckschulte, Paul Steckschulte, Paul Steckschulte. Always, most of it was Crispin stuff. Right. Um, and so I went to Carol Vick at the circus and was like, I want, you had a mentor program. And I was like, I want this guy. And she's like, oh, he's not in the program. And I was like, could you just get me his email? And so I emailed him this long email about how much I loved his work, and it was amazing, and he emailed me back and like became the most amazing mentor. Wow! Like I, I shared all of my concepts and stuff with him before class. Yeah. And I didn't know this, but he was always working because he worked at Crispin. So right. at two in the morning, I would get this like long, thoughtful feedback. Yeah. And so I got. He helped me with everything. He got. I left Fallon, and he was. He knew about Wexley School for Girls. Cal was his old partner. Mm -hmm. Hooked me up with those guys, and I went out there. Wow. To Seattle. There was this. 
I remember hearing about them. Yeah, that was and, awesome. And, it was, being like, and being like, wow, that's, that place seems really cool. It was just the three of us um, then. Yeah. Wow. The two founders, Ian and Cal and, <laughs> and me. You. Oh, my God. Um, sitting in an office where the bathroom was one of those saloon doors. Yeah. You know, like yeah. a, that didn't have a top or a bottom. Right. So you knew somebody was in yeah, there. So yeah, so it was awkward. Yeah. <laughs> but I, that was a great start. Yeah. Like it. I got to firsthand watch two really talented guys do this. Right. And kind of see them. And see how to start an agency, too. Yeah. And, and now, in hindsight, I realize, like, watch them kind of start over. So it was perfect for me. Yeah. It's just starting because they were taking little projects that they, you know, wouldn't have done at their big agencies. Right, right. So it was all very manageable for me, and I got to flank them. Yeah. And then uh, my, other, my other thing for you is, like, we usually just talk about how you got into the business. Uh, but how you start a business is is even more, and it sounds like you you had you got to watch them start a business, so you got to fight in that war, and now you were now you're starting your own thing. Uh, I, I, I with I, them, I, right? I have no idea how to start a business. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so you just yeah um, get the right people around you. The yeah that that's probably the the. I've learned a lot in the last two years, probably more than I w- ever wanted to. I mm-hmm. wish I could have learned less <laughs> and made less mistakes. Yeah. But the best things we did were bring in people to do the things that we weren't good at right away. And those are the most stable parts of our business. Uh-huh. It's when you try to do too much, I think, is when it all starts to crumble. Uh-huh. And it, it's, you know, it's the balancing act of managing project-based revenue against staffing, against... Um, Burning people out against having people sitting around doing nothing when when projects are are not coming in. And yeah, that is a really really hard thing to balance that I haven't gotten right. Yeah, and so at, I I starting this I thought the worst thing you can do is have people sitting around. Yeah, and I think the opposite now. The worst thing you can do is drive people into the ground. Yeah, it it doesn't benefit anyone. It's better yeah. to have people sitting around. Right, and trying to solve that problem. Yeah, or maybe like. Allowing for revenue and margin to to balance that time. Yeah. Because the sitting around is when the ideas happen, right? And oh, I mean, yeah, they can recuperate and yeah. like creative people. And you, and you create a, uh, a connection between minds. And you build that culture and goes on. Yeah. Sitting yeah. around is important. And I know that yeah. now. And yeah. I didn't have a good background to realize that. Like, Crispin, you never sat around. Right. You, and I loved it. Yeah. And I, and I was so happy there. Yeah, because um, you were on. I remember I went. I went to the emergency room my first two weeks because I was like from like exhaustion, <laughs> and I remember seeing Alex in the hall, and he didn't really know who I was then. And I was like, um, "Yeah, I don't, I don't know how to handle all this." And he was like, uh, "Yeah, make lists. I make lists." Yeah, and I was like, "All right." <laughs> 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 so I started. Just, I was, so you were the crazy guy writing on yeah, your wall. Every like, creative has like crazy. fifteen briefs. So I was like, yeah. "All right, here's a list," and then you would just write out all the briefs, and you would ask other creatives how they were managing it. And everyone had weird strategies. They'd yeah. be like, "I make a list of the creative director I most recently screwed over <laughs> by not putting enough time into their brief," and I don't do that two times in a row. So I. <laughs> And it was, everyone had these crazy strategies to deal with working on 15 things That's at once. That's incredible. <laughs> wow. And it was it was nuts. And you you just got really fast. Yeah. Um, really, really fast. What's the What are you giving up for the speed? So I, th- this is a philosophy that I've, I've always, and I think one of the things that drew me to Crispin is 
like a- Alex is is the real deal. I mean, he's a genius. His philosophy was kind of that advertising was dis- is disposable. Mm-hmm. It's a disposable medium. It lives for a month, two months maybe, um, and then it goes away forever. Yeah. And the more of it you can put in culture, the more of it you people, you, the higher chance you have that someone's going to relate to something. Yeah. So you don't want to spend too much on one thing. Yeah. You want to spread it around and maybe do ten things. Right. And that was really appealing to me because I like to bounce between 10 things. Yeah. And I wouldn't say that my passion is in like deep craft. So right. I, like I was happy doing that and kind of working on these, these getting all these ideas incubated. Yeah, yeah. And then you pass it on and someone else sort of crafts it. Mm-hmm. And it gets to this place that looks awesome. And you have to be okay with other people. You have to let it go. Slashes. You have to be okay with other people saying like, "I did that Whopper freak out and it, thing." And it, it cuts both ways, right? And that, that's why I've never freaked out about that stuff. Like, my name is on things at Crispin that someone else definitely led and mm-hmm. pine, and like it was their idea, and I was a supporting cast member. Mm-hmm. And I have people's names on things that I definitely led, and they were a supporting cast member. Right, right. But the idea of taking ownership of something. Of one thing like that never made sense to me because right. that's why Crispin worked. Yeah, it was a team, and everyone knew like, oh, like people are motivated by self-interest. So if you knew you could get your name on all this stuff by being a good team player, and that yeah. the industry just looked at that as whatever, as right, that's that person. They're the New you, England Patriots. You just play that game. Yeah, but when it, when you got out into the world, I never would misrepresent like if someone actually asked right i wouldn't say like oh well, yeah whopper versions that was my all idea me, all me yeah yeah it wasn't right. my idea I mean, right you know there were i the like that and that's where you know it required some degree of of integrity and honesty which 99.9 yeah. of those people had right because if you don't have that you get found out and everybody yeah everybody kind of calls you on it and that's why i've always or laughed doesn't talk about you anymore or something. <laughs> everyone's always there's always the like the 50 names on whopper freak out like, yeah, but, like, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> Everybody knows, like, yeah. you know, who did what and where, and all those people did something. Right. Or they wouldn't right. be on there. Right. And and you just have to trust that the rest of the stuff, you know, they're, they, they're continuously doing good. If they go to the next place and they don't have anything, then Yeah, you know. and you look at someone's body of work, right? Like, yeah. if someone has consistently been a part of amazing things, yeah. that's what I look for more because that person is going to be more valuable in an advertising sense. Right. If, if they've done a consistent variety of good things wherever they've gone rather than having a really specific voice yes those people are good too yeah yeah yeah. but they're they're more limited yeah um in 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 the sense of like throwing them on 50 things and having them successfully navigate you know a pantyhose brand to a sneaker to a car to a video game to a you know pill yeah and and being able to speak in all those different voices and and have different different ideas that solve different problems yeah and that's what crispin was so like that's why Sometimes there'd be 10 names on something because it was a factory. Things moved past and on the assembly line, you saw it come by and you put some stuff on it. Yeah. And it got a little better. And that's how you took on that volume. Yeah. No one could, good and bad, right? No one could truly own something. Yeah. And then uh, tell us about uh, coming to New York, ECD of Goodby. Was that, is that right? Yeah. Um, Goodby, New York. Post freelance. um, I honestly was not looking to stop freelancing. Yeah. um, At all. Yeah. Yeah. there was we, Nathan and I moved out to LA to freelance out there. Just we thought it would be warmer and nicer. <laughs> it was. Yeah. Um, Turns out. And then a good friend of mine, a very close friend, Sarah Park, 
was recruiting at Goodby, um, and she's been a really great supporter. And she was like, you should check this out, this, out, this, this opportunity. And I was like, okay, I mean, I don't want a job, mm-hmm. but I trusted her. Um, and I didn't want it. Like, and I, I, I checked it out. I liked all the people. Um, Goodby's pretty good. It's good, yeah. <laughs> Rich and Jeff are good. Um, there was an awesome dude there already running it um, yeah. named Christian Haas, who's uh-huh. super talented, and he's at Google now. Uh-huh. So I, I was just like, oh, like I guess a partner with Christian um, sounds okay. Yeah. Um, but in the end, I was like, hey, not better than freelancing. <laughs> 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 like I kind of wanted to be in New York for like a year or two yeah. and freelance. Yeah. Um, what did you have to change about your? Uh, you had to be more about other people giving and. Yeah, yeah. You I imagine, ha- like it was a totally different thing to be like, to take on an agency. It would they had just suffered some client losses, so there there was some stabilization that needed to happen. There was low morale. They were down in numbers, mm-hmm. so I, I kind of had to come in and bring up morale. Let's create clear goals mm-hmm. and f- recruit. So recruit like crazy because yeah. they needed people. Right, and so I kind of was selling this vision that Nathan and I had and and I was selling the work that I had previously done. That office hadn't done much and then selling the promise of Goodby. Um, There was an amazing MD there named Nancy. So we were sort of just trying to get people to buy into something that didn't exist yet. Right. So you had to pull out that optimism and... and, uh, Yeah, you had to... And I did... be great. I totally believed. Um, And we started... We got the right people and we started to win small accounts. Mm -hmm. Um, and then we um, started to do better and better. Mm-hmm. And we, we had set a really simple mission. It was like we wanted to be true to what Goodby was, which I think Goodby is about kind of the best of classic advertising. Mm-hmm. And, and not to say that, that what they do is outdated because it's not. They've stayed incredibly current. But mm-hmm. they've always been true to like a, a brilliant idea at the core of everything. And they've always been a little bit rebellious. Mm-hmm. Like that's the yin and yang between Jeff and Rich. Like Jeff is a kind of a rebellious hippie. Yeah. Um, and Rich is kind of like a consummate ad guy. Yeah. And they're both smart. So you put that together and I think you do have the core of what Goodby is. And that resonated with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I thought we could build something, a New York version of that, that yeah. was like scrappier and dirtier and hungrier. Yeah. Um, and so it, it, we did. Um, yeah. And it ultimately went down to holding company realities and right and valuable lesson, a very valuable lesson I took away from that, which yeah. is satellites are hard. Yeah, um, there that's a risky, maybe the most risky proposition is running a satellite. Yeah. Do you think a global the whole idea of a global agency is that is that a thing? I think if you have like certain clients, like a global agency could work. In the sense of maybe you need certain resources on the ground, mm-hmm. but I think you could most definitely run the creative and the brand and the strategy from a central hub. Right. Um, I just think fragmenting people working on solving a problem is never the right idea. Right, right. But if you, you know, I'm sure Apple has like production resources on the ground somewhere. In every country. In every country. Because yeah, that's, sure. and localization resources. And that's the stuff that's hard, right? Like right. finding a, Post house in Shanghai, yeah, because yeah. you need to get VO talent in there, and right. that you want to have people doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you probably want that script being written in a central place where right. closest to the problem, right, and which closest is in, to the brand. Yeah, which is in Cupertino. Right, right, right. Um, so I, I've never understood 
clients that come in and say they want a global agency. I think it's like a thing people say, right? Like, um, you know, like uh, I want I want it to fly or something. Yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah. like something you know you should want. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, why wouldn't you want to be invisible? <laughs> well, like, but if you had a choice between a global agency and a hyper-regional one, <laughs> you'd be like, well, I'll take the global one, I guess. That yeah, yeah. Sounds fruitier and more delicious. Yeah, yeah. It could go anywhere. <laughs> yeah, they're everywhere. And then, yeah. Meanwhile, that's like... There's an agency in, you know, some part of France and no one's ever met any of the people. Yeah. yeah and <laughs> and they do we not are work. part of BBDO. They apparently. don't work well together at yeah. all. Yeah. And you pick up the phone and you're like, hey, we got this project. And they're like, click. <laughs> you're like, ah, America calls again. <laughs> There's a <our> global agency. <laughs> <laughs> um, how, how much, what are we, what, what time are we at now, Matt? 40 minutes. 40 minutes? Perfect. <laughs> uh, I just want to, don't want to keep you too long. Um, when do you have to get back? I have no no time. Oh, good, good. <laughs> um, what about what? What now are you learning? What's 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 next in the business? What's next for you? What's it's a, I what think are you it's, excited about? I think it's an interesting time in the business, right? It's it's a it's it's a rough time, like, and I I don't say that negatively. Like, it it's a challenging time, right? Like, there's there's sort of. Clients are pulling a lot in-house. Virtually all the clients we have are building in-house creative departments. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, it's like it's like, I feel watching. like we're teaching our robot uh, <laughs> yeah. overseers. We are. Yeah. It's yeah. like watching people get into the Trojan horse and yeah. then knock on the door, <laughs> and you're like, I built that Trojan yeah. horse. <laughs> but then they're like, they're they're like from inside the Trojan horse. They're like, can we come in? <laughs> And you're like, yeah, yeah, no, I, come on in. I'll actually, I'm ready to train you to make other Trojan horses. Yeah, I'd love I got, to collaborate. I just opened a Trojan horse building facility back here. <laughs> we're entering this Trojan horse in the Can Lion yeah. Awards. No, we're super good partners. And so all of them, every one of them have that. Yeah. And it, most of the time it's really resourceful. And yeah. that's the moment that the best creative comes in and you finally, you get an ally on that side. And yeah. for the most part, it's good. But so they don't come out of the church and kill you. They just come out. They, and they kind go, of come out and help you Yeah, yeah. because yeah. it's another creative that you know and right. probably respect. And but, but the plans of that company aren't the plans of that creative. That yeah. company's definitely trying to get rid of the agency. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. Which is like, okay, I, I get that. So <laughs> rather than fight, like take issue with it, it yeah. it's happening. Yeah. So you've got that happening. So a lot of the best opportunities are going in-house mm-hmm. and creatives are going with them. Mm-hmm. And then you've got a lot of people just straight up starting companies because that's exciting and creatively challenging. Mm-hmm. And then you've got li- tons and tons and tons of little agencies. So each little agency pulls away one or two good projects. Right. And they all take a little revenue. And it's just so fragmented. Yeah. It's it's hard. Like it's hard to carve out something meaningful. Mm-hmm. So I think in that sense, it's a challenging transitional time. I, if you can almost feel the snow globe is like it's just still shaken. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And like they're kind of settling. I, I think we were talking about the Super Bowl earlier, but yeah, I, I we was, didn't watch it. We both didn't watch it. <laughs> but as I was watching the Tide commercials online. I was thinking, like, is there right now, like, two young brand managers texting each other, like, maybe, just maybe, we can get ahead through creativity right? instead of, like, strictly numbers, placement, yeah. performance, and, and you know, bland messaging. Right. Like, can't is the power of creativity, like, because Ty just owned it. Yeah. They owned it. Everyone's yeah. the world is talking about that. Yeah. And it was they a cleaned up, you might brilliant say. creative idea. Mm-hmm. 
brilliant strategy, well thought through, well executed, pu- like advertising at its finest. I mm-hmm. thought, like, hearkening back to the like the glory days of advertising. Yeah, the old BBDO like owning the Super Bowl. Yeah, with a but with a smart smart idea. Who did that? I think it was Saatchi. Okay. Um, and so I like I think people who come up through Facebook and stuff mm-hmm. they have a different view. Yeah. They view marketing like the data as all powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the data is powerful, but it, it's it only it's only giving you a better brief. Yeah. It's not giving you the answers. Right. And so I think a lot of times people are looking at it as the answer when it's just the problem. Right. With a little bit more of the solution in it. Yeah. It's just insights. Yeah. It's like a it's a really plus, solid brief. Yeah. Yeah. So that all that has been super challenging. And then so you have you're balancing revenue with staffing, with trying to do really great work, with the kind of work that's coming in, which a lot of times is not the kind of work you necessarily want. Right. But you hope that if you do that, you can get the other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a balancing act. Yeah, and you, and it's easier at the top when you're. It's your agency, and you can kind of see the forest for the trees. But if you're a young creative and you're being asked to do a lot of stuff that you don't necessarily that doesn't excite you, I right. think you've got to figure out a way to to keep people excited. Yeah, um, and we're we've tried many things. Like right now, we've tried we're trying full transparency. Okay. So a project comes in. We tell everybody what the money is, yeah. the timeline, yeah. the opportunity, the good and the bad that we pre- we that we think up to that moment. Yeah. And we say, do we want to do this? Do we all want to do this? Right. And then we can kind of explain what the money means. Yeah. So if we get it done in this time, this time, if it's a huge creative opportunity, we can say, you know, our opinion is to take the money out of this one. Yeah. Um, if it's, you know, we try to see where it helps build our story and yeah. where it helps build everyone's careers. Yeah. And if if it's just money, we don't. We probably won't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, there's always something inside of a project that you can get excited about. Right, and it might be the thing to gain the trust for the next time. Yeah, every that's challenge be a thing. has something in it, mm-hmm. like that you haven't done before. Yeah, I think a lot of it is separating ourselves from, you know, when we were coming up, the thing you wanted was like a three spot TV campaign with Tom Kuntz and. And millions of dollars where yeah. that saw you in LA for like two and a half months. And yeah. you only need to do one of those a year. Yeah. And that was your whole year was good. Yep. That that is to me, I haven't lived in that world in a long time. Yeah. And I think it's gone. Yeah. So you gotta get excited about other stuff. Um other challenges, other other ways to keep people happy. Yeah. It's it's hard. Like it's hard to get I don't know why, but like you could do something just as good digitally, but people tend to get less excited. Right. They tend to get less excited about the thing that they're not um maybe it's that they're not that those two months in LA, you were thinking about that thing constantly. You yeah. know, and it was uh it did get better because of that. And because that you were pageantry is important, right? Right. People need Feeling important like that, yeah. feeling yeah. Uh, feeling like you're doing something very important, like you're almost like a Navy SEAL out there <laughs> in L.A. eating crudite. You're a star, like in, yes. a, in a weird way. You felt it felt like more than a job, yeah, because you were in L.A. You were in Hollywood. You were yes. literally in Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, you were literally talking to directors. Yeah. That it you were it told you that I didn't have the corporate job I never wanted, 
Right. And now it's advertising is feeling more and more like a standard job, which would be no revelation to 99% of the world. Right. Who would walk into one of our offices and be like, wow. Yes. Like, Still. Yeah. Like, yeah. was that a Jaeger machine? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is that you in your guys, main conference room? <laughs> you guys play ping pong, but All you're day? in a levitation room. Yeah. <laughs> and... And so, like, we're like, yeah, but I'm stuck in this office all the time. Like, I used to be in, you know, Mongolia. Then I yeah. was Shanghai, yeah, you know, making people eat burgers. <laughs> yeah, it's. I think it's just reframing. What is? I think we have to figure out what that pageantry is. Yeah. At an agency. Yeah. And with our clients, like, it yeah. has to go both ways. We've got to get back to respecting what we all do. Right. And cutting out all of that is bad. It's. Yeah. It's just we've trimmed away all the fat, and we've basically told the world <laughs> we can get to your idea so fast, and we can make it even faster. We've already done it. It's, and then we can do it for half the price. And yeah. it's like, imagine if you walked into Gucci, and the sales clerk was like. We're going to make these pants even faster. We're making them so fast now. Like, we've got our factory churning these motherfuckers out. We've slashed the prices in half. And you can walk out with these in five minutes. Yeah. And, like, you're like, well, I used to get an espresso yeah. <laughs> when I came in here. Yeah. You sure it's going to be good? It's like, now that brand would just go nowhere, just yeah. straight to the bottom. So yeah, yeah. there's room for that. But we're yeah. all kind of turning into the, you know, the H&M. <laughs> Even it's they true. don't do that. Yeah, even they don't do that. That's funny. Um, what? Uh, how do people reach you? Where do they go? And what, Office of Baby. What is Office of Baby looking for now? We're we're looking to sort of. We spent the last years building out our agency side, um, and now we're looking to realize the original vision, which was to start incubating our own brands, mm-hmm. um, which is mo- every one of us in the agency has experience doing that. Mm-hmm. So we have two projects that we're working on right now that we're probably going to get small amounts of funding for. Yeah, uh, What we do is look at them like campaigns. Yeah. So we, ha- we basically produce them. Yeah. So we have somebody that helps put it together from the idea, brings on the right partners, um, brings, you know, solves the operational challenges, and yeah. we look to launch a minimum viable product. Yeah. Have the brand all thought through, yeah, and then decide what a quick exit is. We look for the quickest exit. Okay. So a lot of people don't know this, but when Help was very young, a buyout offer came in very fast, and in hindsight, like knowing our personality types, that would have been the right thing to do. Right. To pass it off to somebody who who excels in sustainability yeah. and kind of drilling down deep into a problem yeah. rather than like, if we were being honest with ourselves, we were all kind of had lost interest in the pharmaceutical world yeah. after there was an idea and a brand. Right. You're like, stories. well, that was cool. What's next? Yeah. It's like, well, that business is ready for someone who knows business. But you didn't do it <laughs> because you were, why? Why I didn't think you do it? I, I was still at Crispin then, like it never really grew big enough for for me to join. So I worked on all the marketing with Nathan yeah, yeah, from yeah, agencies. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, I think it, like you have a brilliant idea, right. and you think it's going to be the, let go. you're going to sell it for three hundred million dollars, right? Yeah, but as, that's the wrong mistress, right? That like that the money. That, your master is money at that. Don't point. Don't chase the money. Never, never, never. And and people will tell other people that as advice until yeah. they're blue in the face. Yeah. And it's the number one thing no one will listen to. Yeah. But it's the thing I learned at doing this agency and, and never, ever, 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 ever chase money. It is yeah. the worst thing. It, it offers Even if nothing. you think it's okay this time. 
And never do it. Never do it. Like, just think about what you would get with the money, and like, you just imagine yourself like crying next to a, a stainless steel Viking stove. Right. Whatever that thing is, it's, you're crying it, next to. Yeah. It. Like after yeah. you like griddle one pancake on it, like yeah. you're no longer going to care about it. Yeah. The money. The money is so unimportant. Yeah. And that's so hard to hear when you're young and you're making nothing. Yeah. Um, but the money will come. It always comes. Always it, comes. It, it'll come, and it's not that important even when it does, besides clothing your family and feeding people. Yeah. So we're, we're taking that philosophy and we're applying it to incubation. Like right. we're all going to be all about the idea, the impact the company could have in, in the world, and mm-hmm. the exit. Yeah. And the exit needs to be fast so that we can go on to other things. Right. And we need to leave time for servicing our clients with marketing needs because right. we love doing that just as much. Yeah. So we're kind of developing two separate teams and then with, you know, leadership floating between both of them. Right. But I think, I mean, this is just my theory. I think this is one of the ways to move forward. Right. Like in, in this industry, like you could solve, um, uh, you know, uh, some liquor brands problem probably with an in- innovation yeah. better than you could a campaign. So it's like, Hey, like, you know, like really expensive vodka is not that cool anymore. Mm-hmm. And have you thought about doing this? Making it cheaper or, yeah, or making it lower alcohol. Money and giving or, it to, yeah. Yeah, cha- changing your business model, right, changing right. the target, changing the bottle. Like, yeah. they were never going to come to those conclusions on their own because yeah. they've got so much invested in where they are. Yeah. And if you're offering them to buy that idea at a price that's as much as a campaign, mm. I just think it's such a no-brainer. Oh, Brilliant. So you have two outs, right? So you incubate against brand needs, and then you incubate against VC needs, so to mm-hmm. companies you think could get financing. Mm-hmm. You're not going to hit all of them, but in an ad agency, all of that is good experience. All of that is client, basically client experience. It's all vertical experience, and it's all good PR. Like It shows clients you put your money where your mouth is. Mm-hmm. You're just doing branding over and over and over and marketing. Yeah. There's no loss to an agency when one of those fails, whereas yeah. at a VC firm, it's a it's a dead loss. Yeah, yeah. For and an agency, it's, yeah. it builds your experience, right? And it makes you better at the other thing you. Because do. you're doing it anyway. Like Whopper Freakout could have been a company, right? It could have been a company that goes in and sort of does research on like, what if you took away the, you know, yeah. you, you could have like. And we did BK Flame, which was like a meat body spray mm-hmm. to um, basically keep Burger King in conversation during the holidays. Yeah. You could definitely at that point spun that out into a full incubation business. Right. Like a real that perfume was, business for brands. Yeah. Those were yeah. selling on eBay for like $400. That's like they were amazing. Ridiculous. Do you, are you, is that what I smell? Is that what you're wearing right <laughs> I, now? I've been wearing it for 10 years. It's, oh, my God. It's amazing. <laughs> um, all right. So officeofbaby.com, is that where people uh, yeah, that's find where you it, these days? I, I don't know where people find us. <laughs> Officeofbaby.com <laughs> is where they find you. And in, on LinkedIn, it's Paul Cayozo. Yeah. It's which a is uh, which is a crazy name, but it's spelled can you spell it? It's uh, C-A-I-O-Z-Z-O. You, um, correct. And I, and I do I don't know if this opens floodgates, but because I had such a good mentor, yeah. I've I, I'm pretty good about giving back. Yeah. And kind of I feel like I gotta do right by Paul. Yeah, uh, yeah. And so I usually as much re- as you can. I usually respond to everyone. I usually try to help everyone. Um, I try to teach as much as I can. But I'm really pretty good about 
But if he can't get back to you, don't give him a hard time. <laughs> I don't think I've Please. ever not given, gotten back to someone eventually. Please don't call him a dick <laughs> on Facebook or wherever. Uh, thank you, Paul, for coming in. Is there anything I didn't ask you that you wish I had or that you wanted to tell me? Or No, I feel like this is like my first one of these. So maybe next time I have to let there be more of an exchange, right? No, like... no, no. This was perfect. It's <laughs> one of the things that I have tried not to do is to, and I and I felt myself doing it during the, when I was talking about freeagent.com, I was like, fuck, I'm talking about Wait, myself. Wait, are you not supposed to talk? I really don't like to talk about myself. I think the worst uh, um, interviewers are the ones who are like, yes, yes, I feel that too because, <laughs> you know, it's like, who cares? We hear you every time. <laughs> This is about you and your thoughts and what you, how you came to them. It, so it would be uh, nice. I learned a lot. <laughs> it would be nice though if, one, if just once Charlie Rose flipped the chair around. Oh, I think at this point, why not? And was like, right? let me tell you how I feel about this. And he's naked. <laughs> <laughs> I got a few thoughts on Elton John's music. <laughs> Uh, I did a Charlie Rose campaign once at uh, at Bloomberg. Well, I was at JWT. We got Bloomberg. Uh, and we were going to do his promo for Charlie Rose, and the promo was all about his table because, like, that table— <laughs> That table's amazing. It's been amazing—and <laughs> people have carved into it, and there's, like, things in it, and so we were going to make it all about the day. You know, at this table, and it was all you know, voiceovers <laughs> like that. And I think we actually shot it, and then it was so. Now, if you looked at it, I think it would be super creepy. Oh man, I'd love to see it under this table. <laughs> <laughs> Charlie isn't wearing any the pants. Table is taken on very different. <laughs> yeah. What's gone on at this table? <laughs> on this table, Charlie's flabby ass. <laughs> Anyway, now I'm going to get sued. <laughs> I don't think Charlie's in a position to be no, leveling lawsuits It's today, okay. But... <laughs> it's fine. I'll never work again. But that's okay. Don't do shit like that. Don't be an asshole. You know? That's my biggest thing in this whole uh, industry uh, thing is just stop being assholes. Yeah, if, you, if people just, just be nice. lived by that. I think there do would, unto others would as be a you lot have less them do unto you. Problems. <laughs> and know that it comes around, whatever you do. If you it give is, away ideas, they come back to you. It is the smallest if you business. Try to take and try to like make it about you, it will come back and kick you in the balls. It's the smallest business in the world. And people you hear people all the time complaining about somebody that you know they look at as kind of nefarious or unethical, yeah. getting ahead and ahead and ahead. Right. And they do, right, yeah. for a, a bit. Yeah. They really do. And, and you know, eventually, at the worst time for them, it, w it will probably crumble. Yeah. Um, Just when you think that they can't get any more powerful. Yeah. And, you know, in, in our day, it was more about idea stealers and, yeah. and yeah. Uh, people who are, you know, political. And yeah. it's taken on a, a more serious tone at, now. At but. Crispin, at, at, uh, at BBDO, I would hear the stories of people like uh, – so you'd sell an idea and then that sort of similar idea would be shoved under your door as like a, a different ad that has that same – it would be like you just see it shoved under your door and then you'd, you'd look and you wouldn't see who it was. The link – yeah. That, Somebody was telling you it's been done. That's one of my least favorite 
things in advertising. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's imagine so... if Hollywood held themselves to that. Yeah. And like somebody or came artists was, or anybody. Someone came in with like a movie where two dudes do something and yeah. like the studio exec was like, no. Yeah. yeah. It has it's to be done. totally new. <laughs> uh, Leonardo, God and man touching each other. That's been done. You're like, uh, I guess it's got to be. Adam and God, please. <laughs> Amoebas. David. <laughs> David, really? You're bringing me fucking David again? How many Jesus of Jesus do we have? <laughs> that fucking guy Jesus is in everything. being held by Mary? What the fuck are you doing? Seen it. Seen it. Archive. Nice. <laughs> 18. <laughs> uh, cavemen chasing buffalo? Are you kidding me? Uh, 12 BC. Jesus. Seen it. <laughs> That's another It's another uh, podcast, Matt. Seen it. We're just going to talk about ads that we've seen. It's the worst because you know that person didn't steal it. Who has time? And also, <laughs> it's going to be totally different this time. And it's never the same idea. It's yeah. never the same. Like, no. Nope. You can like, do the actual same movie, Spider-Man, <laughs> three times yeah. in a row in a decade, and people go. It's like every every time anyone put out anything with a spokesperson, people were like, <laughs> uh, most interesting man. <laughs> It's like no, there's no. You, before the most interesting man, there were lots of. We didn't those retire as well. person talking to camera. We we can't retire that. We need that tool. A character, jolly green giant. I'll give you three words. person with interesting dialogue. That's crazy. Like you can't. It's like we celebrities. Hold we hold ourselves to such weird standards. Yeah, they're dumb. It's like don't rip off ideas. Try to make things brilliant. Right. Do appropriate solves for the challenge. Right. Just. Solve the problem. If Don't worry it wasn't about it. conceived nefariously, yeah. you're probably going to solve it differently. And if you yeah. something pops up. Be aware, yeah. But only be aware in the sense that, like, you don't want to put something out consumers are going to be bored with, or that they're confused by. Confused by, but yeah. no one is going to be is associate like a spokesperson, yeah. with an old man, yeah, giving pithy insights on beer, yeah. It's like, wait, this is a lady. Yeah. <laughs> she's just talking to camera. <laughs> yeah. She's not even funny. She's not. This isn't even. This is a pro bono spot. <laughs> it's not even she's a beer not, ad. She's crying. Yeah. <laughs> she's not making jokes. She's <laughs> sobbing. <laughs> so don't do that, is what we're saying. All right. Thanks for being here, man. This was a lot of fun. Thanks, yeah. Let's Tom. do it again soon. Yeah. It was awesome. Officeofbaby.com. So that was my interview with Paul Cayozo. What a guy. Like that guy, really smart. Love his energy. He talked a lot about that whole positivity thing and faking it <laughs> until you make it, which is which is always a good piece of advice. Sorry we didn't watch the Super Bowl, but uh, I think, you know, I think we knew what we were talking about. I think the whole idea of that new podcast, Seen It, I like that. We should do that, Matt. Let's, let's make that a, a thing. All right, Matt's in. This has been The A-List, brought to you by Ad House Advertising School. I'm Tom Chrisman. Thanks for listening. Please rate us and subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you want to be interviewed for an upcoming episode, contact us through adhousenyc.com. The A-List is recorded at Gramercy Post in New York City. Our engineer, as always, is Matt Stillo. Thanks, Matt. Good night. <laughs>